Hey, uh, have you ever heard an echo, like you jump out into a cave or whatever, maybe you're up at Starved Rock and you're walking through one of those ravines and you just cry, you're like, hello, right? And you hear the hello, 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 right? You get that echo back. And um, I love hearing those echoes in different places. My favorite is actually coming up now in the fall. Uh, it's hunting season. And uh, man, I'm telling you, you get into late season, no leaves on the trees, shotgun season, you're in a draw. Everybody knows what that is, right? Where the hills come together. You're in this little ditch, if you will, and you're kind of hanging back there, and you've got a family member in the next ditch over, like a daughter, hypothetically, right? <laughs> and you hear a gunshot go off, and it just reports down through these draws, and you hear the I'm just telling you, there is nothing more powerful and exhilarating than that sound. I love that sound. And uh, call me weird if you want, but I love that sound, all right? And uh, yeah, we got one hunter with me. And uh, we're lame, and that's okay, and we're willing to admit it. All the hunters love it. And uh, so here's the reality, man. Echo. That's what this passage is about today. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 to the end, is an echo of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, all right? It's an echo. It's a report of the same thing. Remember, last week, we were looking at the word remember, and then worship, and then celebrate, and it's the same basic points going through this time, but he's looking at it in a broader sense and some other things that come along with. Last week was, I'm alive, and uh, this week is, I'm reconciled. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2, all right, Ephesians 2, and uh, we got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands, so if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and they will get one to you. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11, and uh, it's a great passage for rounding out our understanding of what we have in Christ. And, uh, so the first thing we need to get after here is this big point is this. Everybody just grasp this now. Today's point is going to be, yes, we have this aliveness, but we're not left alone in it, all right? We're reconciled to something way bigger than just myself alive. We're reconciled to a Savior, and we're reconciled with others that are also reconciled to Him. Praise be to God. So how do we respond? Number one, uh, remember, we were separated from Christ without any hope. Remember, we were separated from Christ without any hope. Uh, yes, this is the same starting word as last week, and it's close to the same content, but he gives a little bit different angle to all of it this week here. So let's start in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by the hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Remember. And, uh, it starts out, therefore. When we see the therefore, we say, Okay, what's the therefore, therefore? It's a connecting word. It's connecting us back to the prior. And he's like, because you've been made alive... I'm just telling you, there's some awesome things going on, and because of what Jesus Christ has done in you and with you, and because you are now his workmanship, 
allowing to be able to celebrate him with your hands and your feet and your lips, praise be to God, because of all that, remember again, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. In other words, hey Gentiles, there was a name for you that the Jews had. The Jewish people, they looked at themselves, they were like, we are the circumcision. You are the uncircumcision, right? It's like the uncola. You remember that? That'll date you if you remember that. So, seven up, the uncola, right? It's not brown like everything else. It's like a white soda. And what's up with that? And the uncola. Like, hey, just so you know, you're the uncircumcision. Like, we're the Jews. All I can say about you is, you're not. That's what I have for you. You're not. There was an extreme separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. There was some laws that God had laid down about cleanness. And literally, if you stuck your head in the room where Gentiles were, you were now unclean. Okay? It was bad to be around Gentiles was kind of the take that went on. You were unclean because they were not careful in their worship. And they were not careful in their walk. And God was like, be cautious of your interaction there. There was an Old Testament teaching to what set apart can look like, okay? But God's like, hang on. I'm pulling some of them in, man. I'm going to be doing some big things with them. And I'm going to put my whole self on display as this world is being called towards me. Not just the Jews now, but some from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Praise be to God. And he's like, just so you know, you're no longer called the un-Jews. You're no longer just referred to as whatever we are. You're not. Like there's more respect being given. There's more relationship that's out there and available. And uh, it says you were called the circumcision, uh, by the way, which is made in the flesh by the hands. He's like, let's be clear. That's because of surgery. And uh, this physical surgery that took place, and that's all it is. And they're trying to make a distinction about that, but we're going to talk about something that is so much bigger. We're going to talk about a spiritual working on the heart. Forget about the flesh, man. We're going after the heart. And where God is at work on the heart, whether Jew or Gentile, he's calling them together. And Paul's like, hey, just remember, and you were in this isolated realm. You were called the not Jews. Remember, now starting in verse 12, that you were at that time separated Yes, also from Christ. Like Jesus Christ, yeah, he was a Jew, right? And so from a physical perspective, he was a Jew and there was some level of isolation. That's not what's being talked about. Everybody say, not that. Not that, not that man. We're talking about something way bigger. We're talking about separated from the one who is Messiah. We are talking about separated from the King of kings and Lord of lords. You were on your own. And uh, last week, you were dead, and your trespasses and sins, and the severity of that word, and now separated, it's another word for dead, this separation spiritually, and separated from Christ, and his power not being sensed, his knowledge not being had, his wisdom not being shared, his joy not being shared, you were separated. And everybody just say, I was separated. And we better grasp it. All of us, every human being, was in this position. 
Now, those who have trusted Christ, that separating is broken down. Praise be to God. But all of us come from this position, separated from Christ. And uh, I just wrote these words down. Um, We were isolated not just from people, but from God himself. That's how bad it was. Isolated not just from people, but from God himself. uh, Yes, we were separated from Christ. The next word here, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That just emphasizes in yet another way. Man, you were not allowed to be in Israel, in the temple, doing life with them. You were viewed as somebody to stay away from, alienated. It's not a fun word, and it certainly doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy and included in anything, right? Alienated. And... uh, Huge problem was going on between the Jew and the Gentile as the uniqueness of the call that was there was being recognized, but not the allness of the call, right? And he's like, just so you know, there was a reach out into Gentiles, man, and it started rocking the world. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise. Like, you didn't even know what the law was. You were strangers to the promise, You could barely grasp what God had for you just from an experiential level, let alone by reading the word, getting anything out of the promises and the covenants of Scripture. You didn't get it, man. Alienated from the people, strangers from the covenant themselves. You absolutely were adrift on a sea by yourself. And uh, he says at the end here, having no hope, and without God in this world, having no hope, and without God in this world. Man, we better remember where we've come from, because it's pretty dire. No hope. No hope. Not some hope. Not maybe a little hope. If I could just, no hope. That's pretty severe, man. And, And if you're in this mode where you're like, I think maybe I pulled myself by my own bootstraps, I, I saved myself, I, then you haven't caught the word no yet. No hope. You hearing me? That's a devastating moment. In dire need of God doing something because I can do nothing. No hope. And a uh, huge statement. He says, no hope and without God in this world. No hope and without God. And uh, that's where we were, each and every one of us, before our belief in Christ, before our trust in Christ, in dire need of a Savior. And, uh, all right. So, um, there was this guy. True story, by the way. Up until 1973, this old man would go to the shoreline every week on a Friday night. And he would bring a bucket with him of shrimp. And he would take these shrimp out. He would sit down and he would start throwing the shrimp all over the place, okay? And the seagulls would come in like crazy and they would start picking up the shrimp and drawing them in. And people would watch him week after week after week like, what is going on with that guy? Finally, a little kid comes over to him and he's like, hey, mister, I fish here every weekend and I see you out here and why do you keep feeding the seagulls? And he's like, you don't know who I am, do you? And he's like, no, I, I don't. And he's like, Why don't you sit down and let me tell you a story? The guy's name was Eddie Rickenbacker. He was actually one of the first ace pilots in World War I. 
Eddie Rickenbacker was one of those ace pilots when they had just invented planes, and he got up in the plane and became a uh, phenomenal warrior with the plane. So that was World War I. He came back home. He ended up being a race car driver and a bunch of other things. World War II came along. He went back into the war to fly again, and he was flying a B-17 bomber, and the plane actually got hit and had problems and ended up crash landing in the ocean. And in the middle of the ocean, just some of the crew survived. They got into this life raft, shark-infested waters. No one knows where they're at. No one else is around them on this crash landing. Dude, it's hopeless. And as they're in this life raft and floating, they begin to talk and share and interact of what they're going to do. They have no food. They have, no, they have nothing, man. And they ended up in the water for over 15 to 20 days, okay, just this huge amount of time with no food. They were literally starving to death. And they had church services each and every day, a couple of times a day. And it always ended with one prayer, Lord, please deliver us. We're counting on you. We're leaning on you. Please deliver us. And the sun was beating down on them. They were baked. Their lips were cracked. They could barely stand to be there. And uh, every day after they finished their services, uh, they would wrap something over them to try to block the sun's heat. They would pull a hat down over their head, and then they would scrunch down in the boat and just lay there and try to move as, much, as little as possible so that they wouldn't burn any energy. All of a sudden, Eddie pulls his hat down after the service, and he's laying there, and he feels something pressed down on his head, on the hat, and he knew exactly what it was. A seagull had been blown hundreds of miles off course away from the, ocean, or away from the shore, and had ended up landing on his hat. And he's sitting there going, I think we have lunch. <laughs> As he moves very slowly and carefully, and he ends up grabbing the seagull, getting it, they end up eating this bird, saving some of it, and then they use that bird they ended up fishing with and catching fish, and it fed them for the next week plus. They were out in this raft for over 22 days, and uh, they ended up finally being rescued. His statement was simply this, I'm just telling you this, God heard our cry for deliverance, and he provided. He did not provide by taking us out of the problem immediately. He provided by giving us some of our provisions and needs in the problem during it. And right now, when I come here on Fridays, as I cast this out, I am saying, God, thank you for your provision to me. You thought of us in the midst of our need, and I celebrate that. I was in dire straits, and you provided. And seagulls, thank you. <laughs> and I'm giving to you as well. And uh, I'm just telling you, there is no way he's out there remembering every single Friday if he doesn't recall first how dire the problem was. Right? And uh, remember, it is essential for us to recall where we're at and where we've come from. And do not lose sight of where you've come from. Do not belittle it. Do not simplify it. No hope. Statement last week, dead, lifeless, responseless, without Christ, separated from him. And then in this case, Jew and Gentile, isolated even from people, hopeless in everything. Do you get that? That's where you were. That's where I was. And if you've trusted Christ as Savior, praise be to God, that's changed. But do not forget 
the dire condition from which you came, all right? So here's my simple question to you. Um, do you have a memory problem? Some of the wives are like, He does. And uh, let me just ask you, do you have a memory problem? Do you forget the good things? Like all you can remember is what's bad. All you can remember is what's gone wrong and what hurt and what went sour and, and like you seem to forget the good. Let's be careful here. Let's make sure our memory is full, not partial. And let's not only remember the beginning, let's remember where we are now, praise be to God. And uh, or do you have a memory problem where you only remember the good? That can be a problem too. Not as much a problem. You usually walk around fairly happy because you can't think of anything bad. But the reality is you'll often think higher of you and of your own circumstances. You will often have a wrong understanding even of what God's accomplishing because you are not remembering how dire it was, whatever it was. And whatever your memory problem might be, here's my request. Take some time to remember how it really was. How really hopeless it was. And how really essential your Savior was. And how really faithful he is. And all of God's people said, that's the first step in this echo. Remember. Uh, number two, worship. Christ is our peace, bringing Jew and Gentile together in one, through his blood. Worship. Christ is our peace, uh, bringing Jew and Gentile together as one through his blood. This is the worship call now. And uh, so as we dive in here, we're going to see him do the transition just like he did last week. Here we go in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. So remember last week it was, you were dead, but God... Those were the words last week. Now it's, uh, but you, you, you were lost, you were separated, you were hopeless, but now in Christ Jesus, praise be to God. Those are powerful words, and those four words can rock your world. How it was was a mess, hopeless, but my Savior Jesus Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, just say those four words with me. But now in Christ Jesus, praise be to God. Okay, but now Christ Jesus, he's our hope. And it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So now he's talking about it in relationship to geography. You were far off, you know, like you were way out there, man. You, you lived way over there and so far away that we'll call it far off. And you were far off, and, but he drew you near. He was calling you in. He was drawing you in. You have been brought. That's happening to you. Are you hearing me? He's doing it to you. It's in the passive form, and God's doing some work there, man. And uh, all the depths that you can mine into that, I'm not going to go into here. I'm just telling you, your God's at work in your life while you are far off in full desperation with no hope. He brings you near. Praise be to God. And uh, it says those who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And uh, this work through the blood of Jesus Christ is everything. 
Look, God could have just said, eh, forget it. Don't worry about it. Just come on in. And, uh, but that makes light of his holiness, okay? God could have said, eh, forget them. Done with them. And, uh, but that makes light of his love and his mercy and his grace. So God brings the two of those together in this awesome display of himself as he now brings you in yet goes to the cross for you. His blood on the cross for you. That pays a payment you could not pay. That gets you set to go somewhere and experience something you could never experience alone. Praise be to God. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have hope. It is in the power of his blood. And all of God's people said, we must never forget he has stooped so low as to serve us by giving us his very life. It is in the power of his blood, praise be to God. Jesus Christ, he is your savior. He is your redeemer. He is your Lord. He is your king. He is your God. Hear me now. He is the lamb of God whose blood was shed for you. That's our king. He's like, just so you know, through the blood of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus. Just say, by the blood. Let's not lose sight of it. Hopeless, except for his blood. Hopeless, except for my Savior, all right? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Man, his name is peace. That's how much he is peace. He is our peace. He is ushering in peace of all kinds. We have hope with him. We have no hope without him. He is the one who is bringing together, who is this word that I use today, reconciling. He is peace for us. It says he has made us both one. Us who? Okay, here he's talking about the Jew and the Gentile, right? He's bringing together nations that had nothing to do with each other, and he's making them both one. There is now becoming a unity amongst mankind. Are you hearing me? God is beginning not only to restore within the single person's soul, but now across all of mankind. He is bringing from every tribe, tongue, and nation and bringing them together in a oneness that is happening through Christ. All of us have one hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's the end of it. And uh, all of us trusting in him. And it doesn't matter if you were born on this side of the globe or the other side of the globe. It doesn't matter what nationality and what language you speak. Jesus Christ is the hope. Praise be to God. He's bringing us all together as one. Here he's talking about Jew and Gentile. Just so you know, that means like Jew and the rest of the world. Right? And that's the us being brought together as he's doing an amazing work uh, he has made us both one. He has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Man, if you want to divide two people, just put something in between them, right? And if you really want to divide them, well, then make it like a fence. If you really want to divide them, then make it like a privacy fence, right? One of those six, eight footers that you can't see through. If you really want to be able to put a split between them, then put a wall, a giant, hardcore, can't-knock-it-down wall. He's like, that's what was between you, a wall. 
And, uh, man, it's a huge deal when the wall gets knocked down. And uh, I just think back to a Ronald Reagan quote. When uh, the wall that was set up between East Germany and West Germany that was meant to keep one side from getting to the other. No communication, no connection, no political connection, no economic connection, no safeness from both sides, no police forces, no nothing shared across. Get the wall up, keep the isolation. It was keeping communism in and capitalism out. And uh, that was his goal, Gorbachev's goal. And then having that wall up, it was up from the 60s through the 80s. And I'm telling you, in that moment where they were bringing it down, I actually looked it up this week and was listening to President Reagan give the quote again as he was standing at the gate. And he said, Mr. Gorbachev, open that gate. And the whole place erupts and flags are being waved and everybody's excited. And, and, uh, and he waits for it to calm down. And he says, no, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And the whole place goes nuts. I'm just telling you, that is but a little sampling of what Jesus Christ is doing here. The wall is coming down, man. Down. There is nothing between. There is no separation between mankind. God Almighty is fixing the problem. And you can hear God the Father say, Son, you bring down that wall. Bring it down now. And at the moment he goes to the cross and pays and says, it is finished. I'm telling you this, the dividing wall of hostility was brought down. And all of God's people said, praise be to God, man. Amen, amen. Amen. That is our king at work. Yes, he's at work in your soul individually, making you alive. That's last week. But I'm telling you, it's more than that. He is pulling people together by the masses. And we have one job, to rally together corporately and worship him with all we've got. Nothing to separate us. Everything focusing up on him. May he be our king. That's the call. There is a call to more than alive. There is a call to a unity and a oneness coming together. The wall being broken down. Praise be to God. He even says here, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. How did he tear the wall down? By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances. What does that mean? And... Uh, so here's a few words I wrote down. How do I understand this word abolish? Get this. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law in his life. By living perfectly, he fulfilled the law. Okay? That's really important. Scripture tells us that he fulfilled the law. So Christ fulfilled the law in his living. All right? But more than that, he abolished the law in his death. Why? Because he didn't owe death. He didn't owe any of it. He was completely innocent and perfect. And so as he goes to the cross, what he now lived perfectly, he can offer up to any single other person he chooses. Anybody he wants. This gift is now offerable out. It has abolished the need for the law. The law was showing what perfection looks like. Christ met it, and then he went to the cross with it. 
He fulfilled it, and then he abolished it. There is no need for the law because our Savior lived it perfectly and then went to the cross inappropriately. That's the fix, man. Your king for you at the cross. And that's why it's abolished. Now hear this, though. But more than that, he has conquered in his rising from the dead in life. We have a God who has fulfilled, who has abolished, and who has conquered. He has managed all of this in what he has done by coming to this earth and living amongst, going to the cross and dying and rising again. He is accomplishing the dividing wall of hostility coming down. We now have hope and we can come to our Savior through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Praise be to God. And it says that he might create in himself one new man. How many? Everybody hold up the universal symbol. All right? Don't lose sight of this, man. How many churches have 50 to 100 to 150 different little factions running around? And one, that's what we're called to be in this room. One, getting along together, loving each other, caring for each other, supporting each other, praying for each other, longing for each other. One, one man. And Jesus Christ has brought us together and we'll worship him for all of eternity. One, that's what this church is called to be. That's the power of what we're called to be as we go to worship him. And uh, he says now, uh, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Clear enough? Down with hostility, up with the love. Time to get that on. And I'm just telling you, it's easier to be able to have the little grudges and the little jealousies and the little side things with, against somebody else and down with that, up with oneness. May our God be glorified in this place as we show off who he is. And uh, he says here, um, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace. He came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. Hear me. In the beginning, it said in verse 14, he is our peace. Now he's preaching peace. He's coming to share it with us and make it clear what it is. He is trying to build together the oneness and the unity. Ephesians chapter 4 says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. He is looking to create one body from the one God. Oneness shows who he is. Factions and rifts and won't forgive that person and sideways with this one and that's not where it's, everybody say not that. It's not that, man. We are bought to be reconciled. May God be glorified. And uh, who are you sideways with? And it's time to be getting that stuff resolved, all right? And uh, he says here, starting in verse uh, 18, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Why? Why should we get it together? Because you have nothing without Jesus Christ, and neither does the person next to you. And let's stop walking around judging people as if we have it all together and they're a little less than us. We all are in the same spot, hopeless without Christ, and we have access because of Christ. Do you get that? 
access. You literally can enter the throne room of the almighty king with request, with relationship, because of who Christ is and what he's done. Praise be to God. We have access. And uh, man, there is one God. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one church. And there must be unity within this church. Oneness. We are called to that. What a great way to worship your king as you bring it together in forgiveness and make much of him in the midst of your relationships. Uh, simple question for you. You know what the question is, right? So who are you sideways with? What needs to go? What needs to be set down? Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's just with a person in the row you're sitting in. And you're like, I can't believe they sat in this row. And, and uh, God knows what he's doing, right? He's like, yeah, you don't know the topic of today. Hang on. You all are going to have something to talk about afterwards. And uh, maybe it's time right after this service to catch up to someone and say, we need to talk. And uh, I just feel really convicted to be able to sit down with you and get some things right. And, well, let's just make sure that there's forgiveness and I just want to love on you. And uh, This isn't proving you're right. This is getting it right. Are you hearing me? Oneness in this place. And, um, and you got to see it originally. You got to see what it looked like. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. They wouldn't even be in the same room with each other. And he's like, now you're called together as one because of who Christ is. And uh, there's a lot going on in this place. There's a lot that could be dropped. I'm just going to go out on a limb now. You ready? So depending on what town you live in, you might have a thing for another town. And so I'm just going to call a few out. Here we go. This ought to be fun, right? And uh, seriously, man, do you seriously look at other people from other towns and go, can you believe they're from? And it's time to be done with that. You hearing me? Done with that. And each of us has our own struggles, and each of us is wrestling with our own things. And um, be careful, all right? We've heard it flat out. I'm just telling you I already know it exists. It's not like you can shirk down a little bit in your chair. and Like, it's here, man, and it thrives in this world. This world teaches it, right? And we know all about it. Like, if you're from, all right, here we go. I'm just going there. Like, I'm in Marquette Heights, and so forget Morton. And I'm down with them, man. And if you're from Morton, you're like, forget the rest of the world. <laughs> Truth, right? Come on now. The world's got some things to say, and we don't really care what they have to say about that. And all of God's people said, man, there is oneness in this, God. And we can rally together. And we can celebrate the king together. Our God can be made much of as we let him take hold of our soul. We will love the one next to us. We will be about it because I have access to my king for one reason. And it's not because of who I am. And it's not because of where I live. It's because of who I know. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is my savior. Amen. Amen. Man, if you're visiting with us today, <laughs> we love you, man. And uh, 
Let's be for real, all right? Let's dig deep on this thing this year. And let's make this place a church of oneness who is not predominantly concerned with geographies, but instead with worship. Man, do you know the king? His name is Jesus Christ. Let's get after that with all we've got. It'll rock this place, and it'll rock your heart, and it will rock your family or your friendships. There may be friendships in this room that need to be fixed today. Then get on it. I'm telling you, God called you in this room today for a reason. This passage is powerfully calling to unity. Let's get after it together. And all of God's people said, we're on it. All right. Point number three, celebrate. As one, we are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. As one, we are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So celebrate. And uh, he's got an amazing plan that he's unfolding. And he starts out in verse 19. So then, like, let me explain to you and summarize. So then, you are no longer, now here's the list that we are not and that we are. You are no longer strangers and aliens. Like, you're not on the outs, man. You're on the inside. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Man, you are fellow citizens. You're a part of the town, the community. You are saints in the household of God. You have family, right? And uh, he keeps going here. Members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. We are built on something stronger than ourselves. God is doing something amazing in this place. There is a building even metaphor here. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone the one that's carrying the weight, the centerpiece of that, that middle point of, so important, that's Jesus Christ. He is our everything in this church. And uh, it is not rallying around man somehow. Please hear me. We rally around Jesus Christ. And so we're loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. As we get filled to the top, it spills over and you naturally will begin to love the neighbor next to you. All right? That's what it's all about. And... Uh, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Do you know what the temple is? That's the place where you come together to try to meet with God. That's the word he's using. The Jews would have thought of it as the place where they came to meet with God and where God met with them. And so note here he's emphasizing we are joined together and we come to rally to meet the king, the Holy Spirit working in this place right now stirring. And sometimes he draws tears and sometimes he draws laughter and sometimes he strictly draws a convicting that says it's time to get that adjusted in your life. But God moving in this place and we are one as we come before him and say what needs to be worked on in me, God. And, uh, but it's more than just us coming to him. It says in verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit, him coming in and taking up residence with us. God Almighty at work in you. How does that work? Yeah, I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> that doesn't talk about the how. It says that it's true. And the Holy Spirit taking up residence within and working with your spirit and beginning to clean up house and make it a place where the creator of the universe, utterly perfect, can live and reside comfortably. Notice it says dwelling place. 
This is like he's making it home within your heart and within your soul. And please notice now, it says, in him, you also, plural, you plural, are the dwelling place. So in this case here, he is talking not about each one of us being a dwelling place, but now the collective group of us as we come together in worshiping him, we are a singular dwelling place for God. The power and the passion in this room increases as we get along with one another and worship with all we've got. And God starts doing something in this place that you can't even begin to match up to by just creating some human community. It doesn't go, man. God is dwelling in us, in this room, in this place, but more in our souls, corporately together, doing something amongst us. We are reconciled to something so much bigger than self. Are you hearing me? We are not alive so that we can just live to self. We are alive, and now it is time to worship our king and call it together, massive unity unfolding. We are reconciled to the almighty God. Jesus Christ says, I am going to build my church the gates of hell will not prevail. Hear me now, the gates of hell, right? That's the place that's used as a defense mechanism. We often think of the gates of hell like, and when the hell comes at us, we'll have some kind of defense. That's not what it's saying. The gates of hell are the defense mechanism as you break into that city wall. We're going into the world and we're taking home people to Jesus Christ who will trust in him and worship him for all of eternity and nothing's holding it back. Christ is building his church. Amen? I'm excited about it, man. I love seeing this church on fire. But you know what? It's so much more than just us, Little C Church, one location. It's capital C Church and God doing it all over the place. It is huge to see what God's got going. And um, do you remember two weeks ago when we sent a group down to Haiti to do a church plant? They planted about an hour and a half ago. And uh, do we have the image? All right, let's throw some images up. So I haven't seen these yet either. All right, so this is down in Haiti, and uh, from what I understand, the church number is 501, are you kidding me? 501 in attendance. Awesome, man. Wow. Praise be to God, man. Listen to this. They all walk to church. You hearing me? These guys are getting to church in whatever ways and means they can, and 359 adults, 142 kids, no more seats in the place. They launched church today, packed to the gills. And hear me now, God is being glorified in Mount Plot, Haiti. On the mountains, with a lot of poverty and a lot of heartache, but hearts that are willing to hear, who is this Jesus Christ? And hear me now, we are one with them. Amen? It's not just one right here, man. We are one with anyone calling out Jesus Christ as king. And he has broken down the access for us to come in and for them to come in. And we are the family of God. Praise be to God. There is a church on fire in Haiti now. As of an hour and a half ago and going forward, God willing, rocking that place for him. Hundreds coming to know him. Pray for that place. Pray for health. Pray for wisdom and discernment in managing 500 people. That's going to be a lot of management. 
Pray for them to know how to go after this with some smarts and intelligence. Pray for us because we're going to be trying to help guide them along in this. And uh, wisdom as we walk through this together, man, God is doing an amazing work. And uh, it's not just here and it's not just in Haiti. It's all over this world. And we are reconciled. Who am I? I am reconciled to the King of Kings. I have a family. I have a home. I'm a part of something bigger. And my God is going to be praised. Let's make much of his name. He is making all things new. Praise be to God. Let's pray.